0: How about that cigar? How about that cigar? It is our favorite night of the week, guys. It's Tuesday. Thank you so much for tuning Woo! in live to How About That Cigar on Facebook. We're so grateful that you're here with us. If you're listening on the audio podcast, guys, thanks so much for spending some time with us while you're driving down the road, while you're working out, while you're mowing the grass, whatever it is you do while you listen to podcasts. Thanks so much for joining us. Guys, we have, um, we have a great show for you tonight, and we're really excited to get into it, but Just a couple things to start us out here Mm -hmm. this evening, guys. Mm -hmm. This is something brand new. We're so beyond excited about it. Mm. We are now coming to you live from the Drew Estate Studios. That is right. We are now sponsored by Drew Estate Cigar Company, and we are so, so grateful to be uh, partnered with them in this great business of premium cigars and this great culture that we love so much. Uh, So let's uh, get started right away by talking to you about the new pappy van winkle family reserve barrel fermented Uh, this cigar is a long filler premium cigar rolled in limited quantities at la gran fabrica drew estate in Esteli, nicaragua deep barrel fermentation is the key process that makes this expression vastly different from anything on the market hand selected leaves from kentucky are packed into small torquettes or bundles of tobacco which are then loaded strategically into oak bourbon barrels Water is then added, while immense pressure is applied to the Torquettes via railroad jacks. The tobacco is removed two to three times per year, shaken out, then repacked. The total process of fermentation takes 12 to 18 months, leaving a truly unique flavor profile and aroma. The Pappy Van Winkle Family Reserve Barrel Fermented is now available at brick-and-mortar Drew Diplomat Retailers. So guys, check that out, and thanks so much to our new sponsors, Drew Estates. So Garrett, a little mm-hmm. bit of NFL football over the weekend.
1: Yes, both our
0: teams did well. Your Vikings, mm-hmm. my and Packers. Your Packers. So yeah, you know things things across the the NFC North are looking not too bad, unless you're the Bears.
1: Oh my gosh! Well, <laughs> just when you thought the Bears were gonna, yeah. you know, run everything, they've been riddled with injuries and um, you know just a lot of other things that are really affecting uh, the Bears game. So yeah. Um,
0: yeah. And there's a little something starting up right now, actually tonight. It actually started a little while ago, but there's a, there's some, something going on. What is it? Is it,
1: is it on, um, it's not on grass. <laughs> is it on ice?
0: No, it, it is on grass. Oh, it's the world series.
1: Oh, that.
0: One. Yeah. You know, the world I'm series. Bitter. Yeah. He, yeah. We're better twins fans. Seeing but our I'm teams. glad
1: that, uh. Our New York guys did not. I'm make glad it. to
0: see that the so Twins. So the Astros. Yeah,
1: dude, that walk off was probably the coolest thing.
0: That was a great moment in baseball history. Honestly, yeah. that's that's one of those moments that you know, uh, 30 years from now, people are going to be watching clips of it and saying, "I remember when that happened." You know, it was a great walk off. It was it, it was. was a great way to to uh, lead into a World Series. Um, my pick is uh, Houston's going to win it in six games, but we'll see. I'm right there with you. Are you? I am. Okay. Their pitching is just... Now, I have a soft spot for the Nationals just because, you know, they're... The Twins' origin started. Yeah, that's that's where the Twins originally came from. And, you know, it's something that we love to see the Nationals win. But I just, I think overall the, you know, that Houston, the Astros are a more rounded team. And I think they're going to take it in six.
1: You know, and the thing that has really kind of annoyed me has been um, the fact where, you know, (laughs) announcers will say... You know, and the Nationals haven't been to a World Series since 1920, whatever it was. And I was yeah. like, eat a D, because <laughs> they haven't had a team since 61 right. before, you know, a few years ago. So,
0: yeah, you, you can't compare it. Can't you can't know, do it's, that. It's like comparing the Browns and the Ravens. You just, right. you know, yeah. the, the old Brown or the, the old The Oilers Baltimore haven't Colts. been to yeah. the Super <laughs> Yeah. So guys, uh, again, thanks for watching episode 31 of How About That Cigar. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Tonight we are like crazy excited. Um, I have uh, known about this, this app, this community that was put together. Uh, I've been a member myself since 2014. I think Garrett's been a member since...
1: 14 about that same time matt you let Um, me know about it yeah it's it's a great
0: community of 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 people who are like-minded and loving the the world of premium cigars and we are so excited this this evening to uh uh to get to talk to eric gatormson mr master sensei himself from cigar dojo eric wow how
2: you doing You, you actually said my last name correctly
0: well, we're we're from up north, so we know those uh those you know, though, the you know those the Scandihuvian type names. We're we're well versed.
2: That's that that makes me feel right at home. All the <laughs> yeah. I feel like we're gonna eat some lefsa. you know. It's, it's just gonna to be an amazing night. Uh, yeah.
0: Lefsa, pickled herring, okay, but but uh, I draw the line at the uh, Lutfisk. the lutefisk. Forget yeah. that's right. not
2: happening. Have you ever had komla? No, what is that? Mm-mm. You've never had comb. Okay, coma comla is like you take like what's left over of potatoes and you mash it up and then you add starch to it and you boil it and it turns it you reform it into like a potato. Now get this. This it doesn't end there. You reform it into the shape of a potato, right? And this is gonna drive people crazy. Then you you douse it in baking grease. You just oh yeah bacon grease then it's not over yet boys it, so far i see no problem keep going yeah then you take your fork and you you cut off a piece of this weird sort of starchy potato thing and now it's covered in bacon grease and then you rub it in butter and you eat it
0: i i love everything you just said <laughs> i am in i it's am true count me in uh now uh where does that dish come from that's Norwegian. Okay. Crazy. Yeah. It'll, I am... it'll definitely. I, I guarantee there's probably a hundred people in our in our lives that know how to make that dish. So we're going to have to look that up.
2: Oh no! You know, doubt. I, I feel like if you eat that as a kid, right? If you just grow up eating that, like I did, you there's no way that your your arteries are just so conditioned to <laughs> right. handling the yeah. that mass of <laughs> cholesterol that you're just immune. It's like a you know, it's like yeah. a it's like a uh, getting a flu shot, basically.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It gives you the strength, and and mm-hmm. next thing you know, you've got the strongest arteries on the block.
2: Exactly. <laughs> I'll probably have a heart attack tomorrow, and people will make fun of this interview. But hey.
0: So so Eric, I have to say, when I always think about before you know before each show, what I'm what we're going to smoke, and I know you guys do too. You know, you want to be relatable to to the people that you're talking to, and I just I could not resist this evening. Mm. To pull some dogmas out of the drawer. Taking the doggy for a walk. Now, while. now mm. I'm not gonna now, Garrett, you know I love you, but mm. but mine is an OG.
2: Wow. Oh dang. Those should get better and better. Now
0: it's it is this is my last OG dogma. Okay. And and um, what is that circa two thousand
1: thirteen? Fourteen? Fourteen. Two thousand 2014.
2: fourteen. Fourteen. Two thousand fourteen.
0: So, but yours—that's your, already
2: five years ago.
0: Yeah. That's crazy. Now yours Garrett is from two years ago, right? It's on. not from this year's release. It's from two years ago. So my, um, my
2: first one, well, they're, they're all identical, but of course with some cigars, they can taste better with age and, and the dogma has a propensity to get a, a sweeter and sweeter note to it as it goes yeah. along. So, like, Matt, you're probably getting some sweetness that maybe Garrett isn't getting. But that's one of my favorite cigars to age. It ages phenomenally.
0: Yeah. Mm. And I remember when – so I was fortunate enough back in 2015 to go on the uh, – if I remember right, it was the first ever dojo uh, cigar safari to Drew Estate down in Esteli, Nicaragua. That's right. Yeah, that was an absolute blast. Great group of people uh, that, that we all got to go down there together with. And uh, one, of the, one of the great cigar experiences, um, you know, that I've had in my life was actually sitting on that patio overlooking that Vista in, in Nicaragua, smoking a dogma, drinking whiskey, talking, you know, it was until all hours of the night and in, in perfect weather conditions. It was it was just a great, uh, great trip together with you guys.
2: Yeah. You know, what was weird about that trip was that was the only time we ever went at a strange time of year because there was no tobacco growing. There was no tobacco in the curing farms. We went in, I think, November, maybe.
0: Yeah, it was November. They just barely had the little uh, the little tiny baby, you know, seedlings in the, right. in the. Yeah.
2: But it was a fun nonetheless. You can't not have fun there. Right. I oh, mean, yeah. It's just such a great time and like you said you get up early in the morning and get your coffee and your cigar yeah. and you're sitting out on that patio mm. just looking over the valley. Oh, yeah. god. So
0: Eric, tell me about back when when you when you first started Cigar Dojo. Did did you did you always intend it to be this this sort of community that it has become, because it really has become an online cigar community. It's not just a blog. It's not just a media site. It's not just an app. It's actually a community of people. And did you always imagine it to be that, or did it turn into that sort of uh, beyond your expectations?
2: So uh, what happened was back in the day, uh, we started a website called um, quickcigarreviews.com. And, um, the idea with quick was, not, it wasn't going to be a community or anything like that. Like at the time I was really busy with other clients and doing what I do. Um, I, I do work for some work for NASCAR and some other companies like that. And, but I have a, a history, a background in community building. I've built several large communities that have, that are still around to this day. And, um, so so QuickCigarReviews.com was just going to be like basically like a blog for me and Jordan and Matt uh, a different Matt to um, just kind of like catalog our own cigar smoking experience and um, but my expertise was in SEO and so like the 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 site started to kind of take hold and like get some traction you know and uh, but I, we didn't like the name like QuickCigarReviews.com. it wasn't it didn't seem like very brandable cause we weren't expecting it to take off. Yeah. And so, um, so then in, in the, in February of 2012, we changed it over to cigar dojo. Cause we thought that that was way more brandable and da 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 da. And so, uh, cigar com was just a blog. There was no community or anything like that at all. And, um, for about six months we did that. And then I just had this crazy idea. Hey guys, I was talking to Jordan and Matt, like, what if we, you know, turn this more into like a, uh, interactive sites and did this app. And so um, can I, I interrupt for one second? Absolutely. Yeah. Dojo. Tell me about Dojo
1: and where that came from, if you don't mind. So uh,
2: actually um, Jordan thought of that name because uh, we were going through like a million, like trying to find like something really good and brandable. And we wanted the idea of like a community where you help each other out. Like I you like do a humidor and you say, Hey, should I smoke this? Uh, no, I don't like that. Uh, try that instead. So, like, our idea was the community would be based on, like, kind of helping each other out. So what name goes, you know, like training, you know, like what name goes along with training each other, you know, cigar school, cigar college, da-da-da, those are kind of lame. And so Jordan uh, hit on – Jordan was the one that thought of Cigar Dojo, and then I came up with the logo for it, you know, and so – um it just took off and um, it, it, you know, once the community really got rolling um, it just, it was bizarre. Like I never thought that it would turn into what it turned into. And I always thought of this would be like a side project for me. I never thought that I'd be doing this for a living. And, you know, here we are. However many years later, seven, eight. And this is what I do, you know, for a living.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. And that's, that's gotta be, I mean, when you when you reach that point, you know, that that day when you said to yourself, OK, this is this is my full time gig. Um, I mean, waking up, you know, that first day or that first couple days realizing this is, you know, this is this is my my regular everyday job. I'm not going to an office. I'm not. And I know you did a lot of your work from home anyway before that. But, you know, what what was that like? Just just feeling that feeling and knowing, OK, this is. This is my gig now, and and this is what I get to do every day. What what was that like for you?
2: I think it you know it was more less like a progression because even when it started to catch hold, and it, we knew that wow, there's some traction here, and we're getting some attention in the industry. You know, like Abe had me on his show early on um, on Kiss My Ash Radio, and I think that was the first time. I think that was probably the first time I thought, wow, maybe there's something to this when Abe called me up and contacted me and he was like do you you know where did you guys come from like like out of nowhere like you guys are just everywhere like your reviews are everywhere people are talking about you you know and so he had me on his show and I remember thinking that day like huh this maybe this has legs you know maybe it has a little bit of legs but then I didn't just there was never a time where I just said okay I'm just gonna do this now instead it just sort of like turned into that over time. Like I just started doing less and less other projects because I had less and less time to do other projects and consulting that I normally did. And so, you know, within about two years, you know, that's pretty much all I was doing. And Jordan was working at Lowe's and he was, um, full time at Lowe's. So he would just help out. And, uh, you know, about a year after that, then, you know, this is probably 2014, um, then we took him on full-time and that was kind of scary. Cause I was thinking, geez, you know, my son, he's got this pretty decent job at Lowe's. I mean, he's not like a manager or anything, but he's got a good job at Lowe's and I'm, and he wants to quit and just do this full-time, you know, like how long can we support him? I, you know, I'm thinking maybe three months. What if we could keep him on for three months full-time? That'd be great. But, uh, ever since then, um, you know, he's been full-time ever since and move, you know, obviously I mean, we have a bunch of guys that write for us as well so we have people that are sort of part-time if you will and um it's crazy i i I wouldn't have you know seven years ago if somebody would ask me you know where we'd be today i would never have guessed yeah we'd be doing this like we are today
0: yeah that's i mean that's outstanding so along the way um how long was it before you did the first episode of smoke night live
2: So our very first episode of Smoke Night Live was this, like, we, I think it was like our third or fourth anniversary, and we thought, hey, let's just do like this live show, and we'll, it'll be fun, we'll give away a bunch of prizes, and it'll be, you know, the the Cigar Dojo birthday party show, and so we did the Cigar Dojo birthday party show, and it was real, it was rudimentary, you know, like Google Hangouts, and and we just had this like hanging backdrop thing, and I didn't even have a mic or anything. Like I was just talking to into the computer. It was hor. I've went back and I've watched that show recently, <laughs> and it was hor. It was horrific.
0: Like,
2: <laughs> I can't believe anybody watched it, but for the time, I suppose that's kind of what everybody was doing. So it's not fair to really compare it. But and so we did that show, and people liked it, and they said oh, that was so much fun. We should do that all the time. And so then we did that. I think that year we, the next one we did was like our year end awards. And we announced our picks for the cigar of the year live. Instead of doing it like, you know, every day on our website, we just did it on the show. Yeah. And that got a ton of views. And we were like, wow, this is, maybe there's something to this. And so then we kind of started doing this sort of, you know, weekly show. And our idea was, We pick a terrible night, like Friday night, like Smoke Night Live is on the worst night because everybody's busy, right? Yeah. And, you know, cigar personalities are usually at events. So it's the worst night that you can think of to do a show. But our idea was let's just make our thing be like a fun end of the week deal. Well, let's just try to own Friday night. If we can just own Friday night, even though it's a terrible night for doing a show I think people will have fun with it. And yeah. so that was sort of our plan all along was to just, you know, stick with Friday night and that's what we've done. And it's, you know, worked out for us. It's still obviously it's a challenging night because people are doing stuff on Friday nights and, and sometimes it's hard to get guests because, you know, they got events to do and that kind of stuff, but yeah. Hey, that's our night and that's what we're sticking with. Yeah,
0: so and yeah. it's It's been, I mean, over the years I I've been watching it for a, for pretty much since the beginning and um out of all the shows that you've done i mean there have been some hilarious moments on that show can you think of the most unexpected or funny or off the wall outrageous thing that ever that what is the what is the one memory that sticks out from uh, an event that happened on smoke nightlife
2: well probably the one that's the most famous is um and this is sad it's even sad to bring up but you know, I don't know if you guys saw the one with Robbie. This is before Robbie was part of the show. <laughs> I know the
0: one you're gonna say, yeah.
2: And so Robbie was in studio. Robbie Rasmussen, and at the time he was with uh, Mumbacho. And Jacks, you know, Jack was our 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 guest host or co-host at the time. That's before he was with Alec Bradley. And so he's, you know, to my right, and Robbie's in the middle. And so you know, Jack does his his. Hey, I'm a consummate professional. He says. He says, I've done my research now, Rob. You. You got some some really cute dogs, and especially especially <laughs> that boxer. And Robbie is like, oh, we just had to put that boxer down this week. Oh. And Jack's face. I mean, we we've watched that yeah. that, that sort of that five oh. seconds, like five thousand times, because it's not funny because of Robbie, of course. That's super sad. Nobody likes yeah. to lose an animal. It was just funny because jack with felt so bad and you can if you watch that episode you see his face just like, like oh yeah like blood goes out <laughs> of his face, like, turns white you know sure so that that was probably the funniest thing but we got some wild things like every now for rocky mountain cigar fest we have a big party here which by the way i'd love to invite you guys next year um we have a big party at the studio it's the it's two nights before rocky mountain cigar fest and you know erica spinoza steve Saka, skip martin I mean, pretty much anybody who's in the industry is here at the studio, and we'll have like six, eight, ten guests on in in one night, and those shows are usually very memorable as well.
0: Yeah, and the uh, I will I I will never forget that moment when when Jack stuck his foot in his mouth like that. But then afterwards, when 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 the edit came out with the
2: oh, right. with
0: yeah, the sad right, music right. and the close up on Jack's face where right, he dunked right. his head down. I mean that it, it it's it's still obviously it's a sad thing for, for Robbie, but but just to get at least a little bit of comic relief to put a little silver yeah. lining around it that just to see Jack's
2: Robbie's <laughs> a good sport though. He you know he yeah. he he's a super good sport and he you know he laughs about it too. Uh, just because it was so painful for Jack, but another the funny part about that show is also is if you see my face, I'm just like I'm like, yeah I'm like like so done, you know that Jack was so you know funny to 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 he thought he was doing research, but it was like yeah. the absolute worst possible thing he could have said <laughs> It was great. I have
1: not seen that.
0: You have and to see it.
1: Dude, I've seen it's... a lot. Yeah, so I can't wait to go back and,
2: and we then... have like we have a shortened, like edited version that Matt was just talking about, and uh, I'll try to send you guys a link awesome. to, uh, so Garrett can watch it later. <laughs> it's awesome!
1: Totally
0: hilarious. It's fantastic.
1: <laughs> All right, now uh, Eric. So I did, as I said in uh, the pre-show, I did a bit of a, you know, digging and and stuff, and I want to know. How
2: well? Much? Hold on,
0: before you say it, you, you didn't have a dog die recently, did you, Eric?
2: No, no actually, <laughs> actually, when my dog finally died, which was a couple years back, Ned, Ned, I was relieved. Like that, I just I'm so done with dogs. Like no more dogs. So yeah. you can't you won't hurt my feelings on dogs.
1: Do Don't worry no, about that. Yeah. It. Unfortunately, it wasn't yeah. No, this isn't about dogs. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm wondering how much you enjoyed the shake weight challenge. Oh god, that was so funny, man!
0: Uh, the, the what? Oh yeah, <laughs> I never so, saw this. So
2: Matt, you know, you know Matt, like the Agonors logo. It looks yeah, like it. it's I like it's yeah. holding some some tobacco leaf. You know? Oh,
0: yeah, I do. Rem- okay, it's all coming back
2: now. So I'm when we went old. when we went down to see Terrence in Miami. Jack had this idea. Hey, what if what if we made him, you know, do the agonorsa leaf round, <laughs> now with the shake weight, you know? And Ter- Terrence was just like, what in the hell is wrong with you guys? So it was pretty funny, yeah. It was pretty good.
1: No, dude, that was, uh, it was, that was pretty- fantastic. You guys really made it work. Oh, man. You were working it. <laughs> I
2: don't know if you guys saw the uh, – I think it was the same trip when we were down in Miami. We did a uh, trivia contest. Did you see the trivia where we had – it was – it was the Eric and Jack off. And so. Yeah. Was, yeah where right. they were both sitting at that conference table. Right. So it was me and Eric. Right. the two Eric's. So I'm Eric. He's Eric. And then it was Jack Tronio and then Jack. So it was Eric and versus it was the Eric and Jack off. And so it was a, uh, it was a oh, trivia yeah. contest. It was, it's pretty hilarious. If You go back and watch that one. That's that one's pretty funny. And then of course, Let's not forget one of the greatest all time live moments was when Jack got his tattoo in Honduras because yeah, that, that was a classic that was a classic moment yeah
0: so and I for the longest time i I mean not the longest time, but it, a week or two, I thought that was staged. I thought it was fake, and I sent Jack a message and I said, this is b s right This didn't really happen it's a fake, right and he said. He sent me back a reply. I said, no, dude, that's real. <laughs> he got, so Garrett, tell Garrett, because Garrett hasn't seen this. Tell, seen this tell this. Garrett about uh, Jack's special tattoo.
2: So the idea, well, actually, there's no there was no planning to this thing. So we get down to Honduras. There was and...
0: drinking, but there was no planning.
2: Right. So it was the first <laughs> night. We're hanging out, I think, at, um, I don't know where we were, but Jack has this wild idea. He was like, what if I got, the Camacho logo as a tramp stamp on my, you know, on my back there, the, 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 scorpion and Jack was drinking. We were all drinking a little bit, you know, and, and uh, yeah, that'd be hilarious. Da, 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 da. And the Camacho people are, Hey, we can get a tattoo artist. We'll, you know, we can find somebody. And um, so Jack's like, yeah, let's do it. Let's totally do it. Don't know. Yes, 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 yes. And I'm thinking to myself, because were you there, Matt, the time that Jack was gonna get the cold infusion tattoo on his lip? Yeah.
0: Yeah, on the inner on the on the inside of his lip. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that was a cigar safari when you were there. Yeah. So I sort of talked him out of that because like I feel like I'm kinda of like responsible for the guy, you know, like he's a young kid. And, you know, his mom, I, I said, Jack, you can't do this unless you call your mom and I can talk to her on the phone. And so like She's kind of like, I don't think this is a good idea. You're in Nicaragua. He's gonna get a lip tattoo. I mean, there could be a disease. She doesn't know. And I'm like, Jack, what could possibly go wrong? Exactly. So <laughs> I talked him out of that. So that's just a backstory there. So like, I talked him out of that. But so then I'm kind of trying to talk him out of this tramp stamp too. So the next morning I wake, we wake up, and I'm thinking, okay, this is gonna be great. Like he's gonna wake up. He's not been drinking this morning. Everything's gonna be cool, right? No tramp stamp. Well, Jack is still determined he wants this, this tramp stamp. Because, you know, he's the kind of guy that he goes all in. When he, when he says something, he wants to follow through on it. And so, like, at that point, this is a couple years later, I'm like, you know, I can't, you know, he's an adult. I can't, you know, <laughs> talk him out of everything. And so, sure enough, at the end of the week, they found some sort of uh, a really good tattoo artist that sent, like, 200 samples. So, we knew he was a good tattoo artist. And he came in and he gave him the tramp stamp. And the funniest part is, like, Jack never – actually, Jack does have a tattoo. But he, in the back there, it really hurts, like, the lower back, you know. So it's super painful because there's a lot of – and the tattoo guy told him that, too. Like, this is going to be really painful. And so Jack's starting to get the tattoo. And I, I go over to him, you know, and I'm like – and this is – I think I think this is all on video, I'm, I think. I can't yeah. remember. But I said, Jack – He's like Eric, how am I doing? You know, he's in total pain. You know, he's bat- practically crying. He's like, I was like Jack, this is good, dude. Like three legs of the scorpion are done, and I start to walk away, and he's like, Eric, and I'm like, Yeah, and he's like, How many legs does a scorpion? have? <laughs> 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 I'm crying, you know. <laughs> and he said it. I mean, that dude. He. I gotta say, man, you know, that kid goes all in, and uh, he's got a he's got a tramp stamp of a scorpion on his back. Yeah.
0: That is fantastic. Um, that uh, honestly, one of the funniest dojo oh, moments that man. I can remember over the years. Oh god! Um, hey, Eric, tell uh, uh, tell everybody what you are smoking and drinking right now.
2: All right. So tonight I'm smoking the uh, the new um, Hoya de Nicaragua, Antonio, Connecticut. Which, by the way, I knocked off the ashtray, and so that's why it's broken. Otherwise, it wouldn't be broken. Um, but I am drinking some Old Granddad 114. This is a fantastic bourbon that's sub $30. So if you're looking for a really good bourbon that's sub 30 the Old Granddad 114 is excellent. And that's what I'm drinking. Yes,
0: sir. Yes, sir. Uh, I am, well, yeah, Garrett and I are loving these dogmas right now. They're, I mean, they're fantastic. Garrett, what are you? Are you Garrett can't talk. Garrett. Garrett's speechless. <laughs>
2: Is that, is that normal or no? No, dude. All right. Yep, that's about it.
0: Yeah, that's he ain't got the
2: words. So this is the second year that that's been a national release now. Yeah. And uh, this year it got new packaging, but the cigar itself is the same. And what's the sellout time on these? So, well, I mean, they sold out at IPCPR, but, of course, that means that they went to Drew Diplomat retail shops and yeah. um, so that you can find them. I'm sure they... I mean, a lot of them just hit it like three, four weeks ago. So you should be able to find them at, at your local uh, Drew Diplomat retailer. And uh, hopefully uh, we'll do it again next year. We'll see. And what is uh, uh what is the box count? How many? It's a 10-count soft pack. Okay. And uh, how many did you make? So this year I believe there was 4,000 10-count um, bundles. Mm-hmm. Awesome.
0: Hey, Eric, have you had this, um, of course, you can, it's not the bottle, that's the glass, you can't tell, the uh, the Henry McKenna 10-year?
2: Yes, I have some sitting right yeah.
0: over there right now. Drinking, drinking that right now. It's a really, uh, another another good, uh, inexpensive, uh, but
2: because last year, Matt, it was voted whiskey of the year, and much harder to find.
0: Yeah, it was harder to find, and then the prices shot up, so I, I grabbed a few bottles in town when, before the word got out, fortunately.
2: Now, this year, this 1792, one of the 1792s got that same honor. Yeah. And uh, so maybe uh, I haven't tried the particular 1792 that got that honor. And, of course, now it's probably going to be harder to find and more expensive. But maybe that'll mean that the Henry, because the Henry McKenna was a bourbon that we loved here at Jojo Studios for years. And uh, when it, it was one of those deals where, you know, it got awarded that. That uh, bourbon of the year, whiskey, not just bourbon, but whiskey of the year, which made it uh, much harder to find.
0: Yeah. Then everybody went after it.
2: (laughs) Uh, Eric, have you ever had the uh, body
1: armor orange mango? (laughs) Wow. Yeah. No, it's a serious drink. But God, I'm
2: jealous.
1: (laughs) Um, Hey, For anybody who is watching live, uh, please feel free to ask your questions. Um, We may laugh at them. Or we may ask them.
0: Or we may laugh at you, mm-hmm. but one way or another, please ask yeah. your questions. Ask
1: questions, make comments.
0: So Eric, um, I want to talk a little bit about your collaborations, all the you know, you guys have put out a lot of cigars with different companies with uh, the cigar dojo name on them. What's uh, you know, you started with the dogma, obviously, but was there uh, what, out of all the Dojo collaborations, because how many have there been now? 13? I think there's been
2: 15. 15 okay 15. there's been 15 my trusty producer says 15 should be about right i think there's been 15 and tomorrow oh. we, we will announce okay. on our website the 16th the 16th are you sure tomorrow yes are you sure you're gonna do that tomorrow you're,
0: you're gonna do that tomorrow you're not gonna do it right not, now not right. right
2: now Here's what I can tell you. I will tell you some breaking news. Ooh. Breaking. Do, 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 do. Uh, I will tell you that uh, there will be a release party at uh, November Wednesday, November 6th at the Smoke Inn at Boynton Beach. That's two days before La Palooza. So uh, the dojo crew will be down there. Me, Jordan, Randy Griggs will all be down there. And that's when we will, uh, you can buy it in store that day. Or that night, I guess, at 7 p.m. the party starts. And then on the Friday, which would be the 8th, it'll go on sale on Smoke In, noon, Eastern, as we normally do.
0: Yeah. Awesome.
2: I can't tell you the cigar yet because that comes out tomorrow.
0: All right. All right. So, guys, pay attention to uh, Cigar Dojo tomorrow. Um, Out of of all the collaborations that you've done, out of all these cigars from different companies and different flavor profiles, you really have mixed it up a lot, which has been great. Mm -hmm. But have there out of all those releases has there been anything uh, have one of those cigars really surprised you either because you couldn't believe how fast it sold or you it was a cigar that you thought obviously it's a good cigar but you didn't think it was going to be as big of a hit and sell like in in minutes like like uh like it ended up happening what what can you say about some of those collaborations
2: well i guess we'll start with the dogma because when we very first did it so we were doing a um this all started cause we were doing a, uh, we used to do a virtual hearfs, like on a Friday, this is before, like we had a live show. Yep. Um, we would do a thing called a virtual hearf and there'd be like one, uh, brand that we, everybody would just smoke it and they would just share their pictures on the app, you know, on the dojo app. And, um, we were doing a Tatawahe event, uh, 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 tatawahe virtual her for whatever and pete was on the app and pete was answering questions and all this sort of stuff pete johnson of tatawahe and somehow somewhere in there i i made a comment just on the app like um hey uh, maybe there'll be a dojo tatawahe someday or something like that right and the next day abe from smoking called me and he was like you know hey how would you like to you want to actually do a collaboration and i was like yeah I mean of course and he was like you just name name any name any name you want to do a collaboration with and we'll make it happen and I was thinking to my you know we had no idea what we're doing right and so I was like wow any name so like the first name that came out of my mouth was like I would love to do one with Jonathan with Drew Estate yeah Mm -hmm. and so Abe was like I'll text him right now and he texted me back and he was like he was like Jonathan's in, he loves the dojo. Cause I knew Jonathan loved the dojo. Like he had already told me several times, like, you know, like your community's positive. It's not one of these ne- like negative, like forum groups where there's a lot of complaining and stuff. And so Jonathan loved the dojo already. And so the fact that he did made it that a little bit easier. And so Abe set that up. And then a year to the day is when we released the dogma. But the point of the story was at the time I was thinking to myself, because you don't know, like, are any of these going to sell? You know, I mean, like, are we going to sell like 30 of them or something? Yeah. You know, I don't know. I mean, what 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 to expect? You know, I've never done this before. And so that that particular release, we had got 200 bundles in to smoke in. And then the, about two weeks later, the other 450 were going to be available. And so... The, I was hoping, like, wow, what if, if we sold, like, 50 bundles today, like, this would be, like, super exciting. But, like, how will we sell the rest, you know? Like, I don't know. And so they the first 200 sold out. And I was like, holy cow, this is amazing. And Abe was excited. And Jonathan was excited. And everybody was excited. And then two weeks later, when we had the other 450, we put them on sale at Wednesday. Oh, so here was the thing. What we didn't realize back then, we said at... Noon or whatever time on Friday, we'll post the link on the dojo app. We'll post the link to buy. So you can buy the dogma at noon. If you just tune into your dojo app at noon on Friday, boom, you'll see the link and then you can buy. Well, that Friday, everybody was reloading the dojo app so much that it just crashed the app and the app didn't work at all. Mm. But we still sold all 200. So then we were trying to think like, All right, what are we going to do next time? We can't do that again because it it crashed the app. There was too many people reloading, and the more they tried to, you know, get in, and it was crashed, the more they would try to reload. So it just was like it was. It made it worse and worse. It was like a vicious cycle. So then we thought, okay, Lynn, we'll do a midnight sale, basically, like uh, Wednesday. It was Wednesday night at uh, ten o'clock Mountain Time. That's midnight Eastern. Maybe that'll. Make it less of a deal, right? <laughs> well, we sold all 450 bundles in like five minutes. No kidding.
0: Not like, hours, five
2: minutes. Five minutes. Jeez. Five minutes. And the guys from Smoke Inn stayed up all night shipping every single one of them out. And so that was when we realized wow, there's this is crazy. Like we have this community is great. We have something here, something special. And so, um, from then on, we changed our strategy to where now we send an email first with the link in it so that people aren't trying to reload the app. That's why we do the email thing, um, with our releases these days, but we still crashed servers. We crashed the famous server. We've crashed the Payless, you know, the smoker friendly server, you know, um, it's still as hard to release them because so many people want to get that cigar. Um, so that was, that was the, that was the craziest one um the the romacraft the first time we did the whiskey rebellion sold out in 55 minutes uh from famous um but we've had some challenges too you know because there's so many people that want these like we did the bonsai just this year in the feng shui last year you know we crashed the server and it, it took all day to sell it out we probably could have sold the bonsai out in 10 minutes but the server crashed and it took all day to like process the orders yeah. so every single one has had Like a challenge that way. Now, like when we did the Reviver through Atlantic, uh, that went really smooth and it sold out fast. But um, I guess as far as cigars that surprised me, um, uh, I think the Feng Shui was one of the ones that surprised Mm -hmm. me the most because when we had did the blending on the Feng Shui, we had done all the blending except for we we said we wanted to be soft box pressed, right? We thought that would be a cool uh, feature to that cigar. So we we had done everything except for taste the cigars that had the soft box press. I love it. So When we finally got that cigar, even though I liked it and, but I didn't think it was like the greatest thing that we'd ever done. Um, But when we got the cigar, when it was soft box pressed and this was really risky because it was the finished product. So if we didn't like it, there's no going back, you know? Yeah. When we got that cigar finished completely, and the first time we smoked the soft poc, box press version of it, we, me and Jordan both like, Holy crap, this is better. This is way better than it was, you know, when we had those blends and still to this day, that's one of my favorite releases is the feng shui. I just love that cigar. I mean, me personally, it's just in my wheelhouse. Like I just love that full flavor, not, not necessarily full strength, but full flavor, like just flavor that just hits you. And so, Hopefully, we can do that feng shui again because that's a fantastic cigar.
0: Yeah,
1: absolutely. And uh, so I really appreciated all the artwork
2: on the collaborations. Is that a lot of that? Is that you? So most of that, almost every time, it's us. Um, now, the Dogma wasn't us. Yep. That was done by Drew Estate, which was they did a super job. In fact, we didn't even think of the name. I think Jonathan Jew's mom thought of the, the name for that one. But <laughs> normally, what happens is we get blends so like like let's just take like the first sarsaparilla for instance Mm. you know espinosa sends us a bunch of blends and we try them and we and then we decide based on the one that we like you know what we're going to name it and in that case it tasted sort of had a root beer kind of flavor to it. it sort of had a root beer note to it that we liked and um so we thought, oh, like um, some sort of like elixir, which was already used and and names like that. And, and I don't remember who came up with sarsaparilla, but sarsaparilla was just a perfect name for that cigar. And so then we did all the branding and the packaging and the whole nine yards. So normally we do all that like the one that's coming out tomorrow. Um, my son, Dominic, who you, you may or may not know, Dominic did the artwork, which you'll see tomorrow and then Jordan did all the package design and band. So either I do it, like I did all the feng shui stuff or Jordan will do it all. Like Jordan did a lot of the Cesperilla stuff, especially Cesperilla two uh, and one, the, the label on the packaging, Jordan did all of that sort of stuff. So me and Jordan just collaborate or my other son, Dominic helps out sometimes. Um, and we have some failure stories. There's some funny failure <laughs> stories too um, that I could tell you, but um, so normally we like to do that, but sometimes the company does it other times, like the room one one stuff, Matt booted all that. Yeah. Um, but a lot of the other ones, bonsai we did and reviver we did and dojo deluxe we did and all those kind of things. So it just kind of depends. How about nightstick? So nightstick and, um, and the, um, canine, uh, we did that. That's through uh, protocol, also Lizona product. But, um, you know, we, my brother-in-law, my, my wife's, uh, husband is a canine officer. And so when we were going to do something with protocol, we wanted to, you know, hook it into something that means something to us. That's important to us. And, um, Gordon is his name. He's the Arapahoe County Sheriff's deputy. He had this great canine at the time who was at the time we were doing that had passed away. The dog passed away during, uh, here's a, dog dying story. Oh. <laughs> but, um, no, he, you know, he lived a great life and, and he did pass away during the making of the canine. But, um, we, it, wanted, it was personal for us to do that one. And that was another one that, uh, sold out super fast. And then when we did Nightstick, we added to it, we did 500 instead of 300 Yeah, that sold out in one day. And so, um, and Hector came up with the blend on a uh, Nightstick entirely. Like that one, we didn't even, pick any blends. Like Hector said, I have this blend that I just love. I want to see if you guys love it too. And, um, we did love it. And so there, we didn't pick the blend, but we did all the branding and marketing. I think I did that one. Um, so it's either me or me and Jordan It's one of us usually does it.
0: Yeah. Uh, we got a great viewer question here from Steve. He wants to know, how do you choose who to collaborate with each time? So is it a company approaching you or are you approaching a company or a mix of both?
2: It's a mix of both. That's a great question, Steve. Um, sometimes it's crazy, like you know, like when Davidoff came to us and said they wanted to do a collaboration. That was a, a you know, that was very humbling. Like Davidoff, it's
0: gotta be a surreal moment, yeah, yeah, right.
2: Like a very surreal moment uh, when Davidoff comes mm-hmm.
0: to you and says, "I wonder, I, I don't know, I don't know, Davidoff." Who is
2: that?
0: Like well, you know, I wonder.
2: The thing with that one was. You know, we said back to them, and this is crazy. Like we're going to make demands on Davidoff, but um, we didn't want to do just um, you know because they do white label projects for uh, shops already, yeah. you know, and and I'd had them, and they're good. There's no, you know you can't have a bad Davidoff usually, but I just didn't want that same you know blend that they already do for a million shops because a lot of people have already had that, and so you know at the time we said we we want to do this project with you guys but we want to we want to push you guys on the blend we want to do something that's never been done before cuz almost all of these things even back to the dogma that like this is like an, we want to make an epic cigar we don't want to just make a cigar that has it's just a different size and a, you know da, da 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 like okay who cares but we want to push you guys on this and they said yeah we have these these archived blends that are amazing and we really don't know what to do with some of them so we'll send you you know a bunch of these and you pick one of them we're like wow out of the archive and so um we got to pick one that was stronger like it's not your typical davidoff um and so that made it fun like wow this doesn't even taste like your typical davidoff it's so much stronger and more full bodied than a typical davidoff and so but that cigar was like should have been like a forty-dollar stick so we said how can we get it down like there's no way we can do a $40 stick because we the the most expensive cigar we ever did was like 10 bucks right so they said well okay how about if we don't do like the lacquer boxes and we don't do this we don't do that and we're like yeah fine put it in whatever we don't even care how far can we get it down so we got it down to $20 a stick and um, that way we were able to bring a, a, a cigar that should have probably been a $40 a stick Davidoff to our community that's a little bit more of a joe six-pack community and we like we like being the joe six-pack community absolutely so um you know we were able to do a a essentially a 40 dollar cigar for 20 dollars because we just trimmed you know we didn't do anything crazy on the packaging although by the way if you get that cigar the packaging is still it's still beautiful um but it's a it's a fun project so um you know then we did the bonsai this year which was in august and that was just a $5 stick, but it was real small. And our idea there was we want to try to make the best, you know, small form factor cigar that's humanly possible. So it's like a little petite Robusto. And at the time we were going to call it the spring roll, right? Yeah. And it was going to be the cigar that came out right after the Davidoff. So we'd have our most expensive cigar and then we'd follow it up with our least expensive cigar that we ever did. And as we were, I, I was literally, I worked on the artwork. We had this, you know, the cool circle, just like it has now. I don't know if you, you you've probably seen that cigar, right? Yeah. Um. So it has like the circle with the, the uh, logo in the middle and all that. And as I was doing that, that's the, like the, as I was sending in the artwork to get the labels printed, that's when punch cigars came out with the egg roll and it looked almost identical Hmm. well we were no i mean it was just a crazy coincidence yeah, crazy. I mean, definitely no i'm not saying that there was any yeah nefarious stuff going on here it was just a weird because this is not the first time that's happened to us it happens like people come up with similar ideas yeah so when that happened now theirs was egg roll ours was spring roll we could probably still do it but i i didn't want anybody to feel at all like we were copying them even though we weren't yeah totally and so then we came up with bonsai which turned out to be you know even more fun because we had all the you know karate kid stuff involved in it so um we switched it over to bonsai and and then the whole marketing campaign changed to you know basically hey you know bonsai is the art of making something tiny that is just as magnificent as the larger version. And so it, it actually worked out, I think, better.
0: Yeah, it was. I remember when all the uh, when when the announcement came out and that cigar came out because you 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 first sold it at the uh, Rocky Mountain Cigar Festival, and we uh, we interviewed Skip on our show f- f- a couple months ago, and and it wasn't long after uh, he had just gotten back from Rocky Mountain Cigar Fest, and uh, he commented that that he enjoyed that cigar, mm-hmm. and um, it, unfortunately, I. I hit the website after, uh, well, I tried to hit the website and everything crashed and then I got in, it was the middle of a work day and, and, uh, you know, um, it, you know, it happens. Uh, and, uh, we're, we we were not able to get our hands on that one, but, but from all the people that I talked to about that particular cigar, you know, it's, it's always great to find a, a small form factor cigar that fits into a great price point you know especially for you know you guys in colorado us in minnesota you right. don't have a lot of time to sit outside you know if you're going to if you're going to smoke outside you you don't want to be out there for for a long time so having a small form factor cigar you know it it really fits that uh that climate perfectly
2: mm-hmm. yeah and that that cigar uh, it was one of those this is another example of something that sort of like was humbling and surprised me was when we um I mean, we, we figured, like, this is probably going to be pretty popular because of the price point, and it's Aganorsa Leaf, obviously, and they make great they make great stuff. Um, so we set up at Rocky Mountain Cigar Fest, and, you know, there's a big line, but nobody's inside, and we're setting up because we sell T-shirts at Rocky Mountain Cigar Fest. And right behind us is Terrence in his booth, and he has, like, I don't know, 60 bundles of bonsai. And um, so they opened the gates for the VIP people, and there were people, I kid you not, that ran. They were running over, <laughs> were literally running through the thing to get to Terrence's booth to buy to be the first to buy Bonsai. And I can just remember me and Jordan looking at each other, going like, "This is incredible! Like I, yeah. I'm so humbled, and it's just yeah. so awesome that this community is so." excited about what yeah. we do and and that's why we try you know i know you guys know this that there's brands that just pump out all kinds of crazy stuff that they find in the factory oh here's some here's some ones let's let's throw uh, denim shorts on it and call it you know <laughs> we don't we never have done that like every single time we've said no we're gonna we're gonna take every project that we do and give it a hundred percent of our attention to make something hopefully kind of epic you know like the imperial stout that we did with camacho like you know we got you know the barrels from oscar blues that were whiskey barrels by the way they were um, uh, barrels that probably had some of our favorite bourbons in them i can't say what and we had and those were then they aged oscar blues 1050 in them yeah and we had those barrels shipped to honduras and then we aged you know the filler tobacco in those and so like those types of projects like you know the point is is like like these things take a whole year of planning and doing and it it isn't just like we're pumping them out like 2020 we already have you know we're well into working on the final cigars that won't come out for over a year from now and we're working on them right now because we know that they have to be like I never want to take advantage of the loyalty that we have with this community I never want to just pump crap out and just say, oh, here's another cigar for you to buy. I want it to be something special, something a little different, something that makes this fun and exciting as a community.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you guys have done a great job with, uh, you know, all those special collaboration cigars.
1: Yeah, that has been fantastic to watch. I'm going to shift gears a little bit and yes. go into uh, personal life. Um I was listening to a podcast a couple weeks ago, uh, Cigar Jukebox, and um, Dave has—it's a great show—and um, he has been repping your daughter on a lot of his shows. Yeah, <laughs> and I gotta say, um, I- I'm becoming a bit of a fan. She is incredibly talented. The the harmonies that her and um, it's actually two of my daughters,
2: they're that's the harmonies that oh, it really
1: it's Mackenzie and Cassidy, yeah, Cassidy, right? Yeah. I didn't realize it was both your dad. That's it, dude. How proud are you? And oh, tell yeah. us a little bit about that,
2: yeah. It's it's cool, it's super exciting. I mean, they they started doing this a few years back just kind of for fun. And they um, they first they were just them two with guitars, and they they played around a lot of open mics and did that sort of stuff. And then they started kind of getting a little bit of a following and they, um, they did this big, there's this big in Morrison, Colorado, where Red Rocks is, there's this big like battle of the bands kind of thing. And like, there's like, I don't know, I think 30 bands. And they all play at these different bars, right? Like they each get like a night to play at a bar. And then they take the top two most popular ones and whoever wins gets to play at Red Rocks. And so the girls ended up being in the top two and they won. And so they got to play at Red Rocks and yeah. it was incredible. Like, I mean, it was like opening for this, you know, film on the rocks thing. They weren't like the headline, of course, but they got to play at Red Rocks and it was just totally awesome. And since then they've, now they have a band, they're called the drawn out and they've, you know, released an EP last year. And so they play at, um, you know, they're working on some new material now, but you know, they play at some of the cooler venues in town and it's, it's fun. It's I, I try to go every time they play. Cause I, I'm not just a proud dad. I'm like actually a fan. They write, you know, it's all kind of like, I guess you call it indie folk kind of yeah. stuff. Um, yeah. now they're getting to be a little bit more like maybe a little bit more punkish, uh, a little bit more, you know, I guess more alternative, um, and so you know it's fun it's 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 super cool um my daughter has a a baby boy so they don't they can't focus on it maybe like as much as they should and then my other daughter now she's doing a a youth with the mission thing so um they're real busy but in in the meantime between all the things that they do they they have this band and it's 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 fun to. it's very it's it's exciting and humbling and i'm a proud papa that's awesome that is fantastic
0: so hockey.
2: Yes, baby. <laughs> I'm a hockey nut.
0: So the uh the NHL regular season, we're a few weeks into it. Um I'm I will uh I'll try to not talk a whole lot about the Minnesota Wild because <laughs>
2: Oh, you know, the tables have turned. <laughs> oh, oh my
0: gosh. It's it's rough right well, now to well, be a crushing it right now. To be a Minas- well, right now, yeah.
1: It was three to zero. The yeah. last I looked.
0: Well, it's it's nice to see three to zero on our in our favor instead right. of the other direction because
1: we can't stop a too puck.
0: too many too many shutouts. Devin Dubnik, I don't know he what happened to him, right? It, but he was one of the best, and now he's one of the worst. Yeah. Anyway, um, Eric, I know you've been a big hockey fan for a long time. Um, what what are kind of the origins of your uh, love of this game?
2: Yeah, it's crazy because I grew up as the biggest football fan that there ever was. Like, I played football when I was a kid all the way up through high school, and I was just sure that I was going to be, like, a a pro football player. Like, I was positive. But that was before I didn't realize that I was only going to be 5'8", you know, and, like, 170 pounds, 40 pounds or whatever at the time. And then when we moved into our new neighborhood, like, April's dad, my wife's dad, he was the – he was the – um the head of the Colorado avalanche fan club. Right. And so he was always, you know, super excited about hockey. I, I kind of liked it. I mean, I didn't really know anything about it. And when we moved into our new house in our new neighborhood. Uh, there was a lot of kids out front playing hockey. And so uh, my two boys, Jordan and Dominic, who were just tiny at the time, they just stood by the window, like watching, like they had hockey sticks and stuff. <laughs> but They were too afraid to go, go out there. Right. And so eventually, you know, me and April like forced them to go out there and play with the kids in the neighborhood. And as soon as they did that, they became, you know, hockey fanatics and they played in roller hockey, which I ended up coaching them. And I didn't know anything about hockey, but I was coaching them in roller hockey and they kind of got, they were getting killed, right? Like just destroyed in some of these tournaments we'd go to. I remember one time they got beat 22 to two in a tournament. Holy and. But that was all good because it just taught them to just try harder and harder and harder. And eventually they became really good hockey players. And in, in the inline hockey, we won like three national championships, me coaching the boys. And then they went on to play ice hockey at the, sort of the same time. They were like kind of going back and forth. And they 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 got to be pretty good hockey players. Jordan played in Canada. Dominic traveled everywhere, you know, double A, all that sort of stuff. And so just through the boys, through my boys, I became a hockey fanatic, you know, and the abs, of course, you know, 1996 won the Stanley cup in 2001, won the cup. And so now, I mean, ever since then, uh, my, I st- I still like football. I still like it. I watch it. Me and Jordan have a great time watching every Bronco game here in the studio, which is hor- horrible, horrible. <laughs> <But> I love <laughs> hockey and the abs who, you know, three years ago, we the worst team in the league. And, and Joe Sackett did a really smart thing by um, building, you know, slowly taking his time. And now, I mean, the Avs are probably, you know, the most talented young team in the league. And a lot of people are saying, wow, this, this team could be fantastic for the next seven years. You know,
0: they're definitely top five right now. I would, I would easily put them in the top five, maybe top three.
2: Yeah. We just had our first loss last night.
0: Yeah um so who are some of the o- over the years since you've become such a hockey fan what are some of the players that you that you love to that you love to watch now and even some of the players that you love to go back and watch some of that vintage footage on youtube
2: well i mean let's face it the whole you know peter forsberg Sakic, uh patrick waugh oh, yeah foot. All those guys, uh, dead marsh when they were, when they had the rivalry with the wings, pre this is pre Minnesota wild days. Yep. I mean, that was some of the most amazing hockey ever played. And if just the other day I went back and I was watching the clip when Peter Forsberg, you know, scored all those goals late in the third period to beat, uh, the Florida Panthers. They were, it was just a ridiculous game. Like, if you go back and watch Peter Forsberg, and that was before all the rules we have now. Like, imagine Peter Forsberg in the league now. Like, he was Don't such a strong about player. Yeah. He would dominate under the rules we have now. Forsberg would dominate this league. Like, because yeah. he was just so physically strong. And now you can't really touch him. Like, he was getting mauled. Like, I mean, guys were just all over him, and he was still scoring ridiculous amounts of points and yeah. so obviously forsberg is a guy that i love to watch but now we have nathan mckinnon who's a different type of player super fast you know tons of talent uh can score on any given play and but the Avs are ridiculously young i mean nathan McC- i mean uh, mikhail mccarr our new defenseman that we got fourth in the draft like three years ago and he's going to be an amazing player i mean the Avs are stocked; they're loaded Uh, I'm excited to see what happens in the next three years. How about college? Do you watch any college hockey? I mean, I follow the pioneers, you know, the Denver pioneers, um, some, um, but I'm mainly, uh, I'm mainly an NHL guy. Really? Um, I just kind of follow the Pios because they've won a few national championships recently, which was fun to follow. But my main love is, is the abs. Um, but I like, I like all hockey. Like, when the playoffs start, when the playoffs start, the NHL playoffs start. I can, if the Avs aren't part of the playoffs or they lost or whatever or they didn't make it, it doesn't matter to me. I can watch every single game and just enjoy it. Like yeah. I just love hockey. I love everything about it. To me, it's the last real, like man's sport. Right, right. You know, and they're they're trying to take that out of out of the game. Well, and that's
0: that's a good segue, actually. Uh, Because I I was going to ask one of the questions I had written down was specifically about about physicality and fighting in hockey. So why is fighting so vital for people who don't understand? Why is fighting so vital to pro hockey and why is it not and why is fighting not allowed in other team sports?
2: All right. So first and foremost, people have to ask them because there's this big push to get fighting out of hockey. Right. Because it's right. It's has been
0: ever, since, ever since I was a little kid, there has been. Yep.
2: It's barbaric and this sort of thing. Well, first and foremost, you have to ask yourself, are you fundamentally opposed to two men fighting? Like, are you fundamentally opposed to that? Like, people fight in boxing. People fight in the MMA. People don't seem to be fundamentally opposed to that, correct? So exactly. why are people think that it's fundamentally wrong to fight in a sport? Like... It just so happens that in hockey, it's really the only sport that you can, like, you could send out, like, you know, some schlub, right? And he could whack the wrist of your best forward, break his wrist, and he gets a two-minute penalty. And he goes, that's worth it, right? Like, you know, because you can't do that in football. Like, it's (laughs) very difficult to go out and just break somebody's wrist or their foot. Like, you'd have to try hard. That would be Like, I don't even know how you do it, right? But in hockey, you have a stick. So you could wax... And and blades on your feet. And blades on your feet. So there has to be a way that there's more to a a bad play than just a penalty, because a penalty is just two minutes. And even if the guy gets suspended for 10 games, who cares? You, You just took out your best player, right? It's worth it. But it's very different if that team could then turn around and just beat the crap out of your best player. Right. Yeah. The hockey, there's an honor to it. And the honor is, Hey, two guys are going to fight and this is going to settle it right here on the ice and it's going to be over. And then we can play the rest of the game. And that's behind us now. So your guy came out and kind of did a cheap shot on our guy. Yeah. Now these two guys are going to duke it out. And then it's going to be over and we forget about it. And then we just play the rest of the game. And that's what I love about it. It's not just a sideshow. It actually is a part of the sport. Yeah. That's what I just don't understand that people don't love it. I mean, like the people that don't love it, you know, I mean, let's face it. They're probably hugging trees somewhere, but um, (laughs) that's why I love fighting and hockey. And I I hope that there's always at least a, a little bit of a place for it because it does police the game it keeps it honest. It keeps the players yeah. honest. And they realize, hey, there's a price to pay. If I do this, there's a price to pay for one of my guys. Yeah. And so like that's why they don't. I mean, let's face it, stuff still goes on, but at the same time, there is a level and there is an honor in the sport. And the guys that fight, you know, if you watch a hockey fight, two dudes will duke it out and they'll as soon as the refs break it up, they'll pat each other on the back. Yeah. You know? Nine times
0: out of ten. Good job.
2: good job buddy you got me that time you know hey more power to you and in both teams you know smack their sticks on the ice and say wow good job guys and then the and then the game goes back to normal and then they're playing just as they were before it all happened i love it it's amazing yeah
1: well we kind of have uh, opposite stories in that respect because i grew up in a hockey family my biological father played in the nhl wow really seasons. yeah and um <clears throat> my cousin's Um, We're both captains of the Minnesota Gophers hockey team. Um, My cousin was the uh, captain of the U S women's hockey team has a couple gold medals. That's awesome. I pissed everybody off and played football. So, uh, (laughs) but the, the thing for me was when the North stars left Minnesota in 91, it broke my heart Mm. so much that, i was done for hockey for so long so that was my there's there's a lot of
0: people around here who are are still very still bitter there are a lot of people honestly i know quite a few people and i kid you not even even as long as it's been there are people that i know that will not watch the wild
1: yeah really well because how do you take hockey out of minnesota
0: yeah the state of hockey, you know it's uh, and and one of the things about Minnesota hockey is obviously everybody loves the wild they love the, the you know the the golden Gophers also, but the Minnesota State high, high school hockey tournament is it's literally like it's it's like a r- religious experience. and what I mean by that is people take off entire swaths of work to stay home and it's on it's broadcast on local TV. And uh, now they're even starting to move into streaming and people literally just sit on their couch for days at a time and just watch these high school teams that they don't know anybody. on, They don't have kids on the team. They don't have nephews or any of that stuff on the team. And they just sit and they watch this. And I actually found myself because I grew up in Indiana, not knowing anything about hockey, not caring at, at all about hockey and. Um, got into uh, many years ago when my my son was in the hospital. This happened to be one of the times when when the Wild were actually good and the Wild were in the playoffs. And I'm I'm sitting there watching the Wild in the playoffs, and I found myself getting into hockey. You know, sitting in the hospital, you know, next to my son, and then uh, that next year, I sat down and started watching the Minnesota State High School Hockey Tournament, and I was hooked yeah. immediately. And my my wife said
2: why are you watching this? You don't even like hockey. I said, I don't know. <laughs> I love it. Well, I, I have to say I'm a bit jealous of you guys because I wished hockey, and the hockey is very big in Colorado. It's a it's very popular, but nothing like, I mean, I'm not going to pretend to say it's anything like what goes on in Minnesota because I know what that's like. I mean, I'm very were, very well aware of how popular it is up north and uh that's awesome that you now we have you know the the high school hockey here has gotten to be pretty popular and both my boys play, played in in high school and stuff but i mean man i i wish someday it would be as fervent and exciting as uh the way you guys have it up there so you guys got something going on there that's for sure yeah it's a lot of fun uh you guys, want to let, let's face it like yeah. the minnesota wild the minnesota i mean other than maybe a couple of years. And this could be one of those years, but that's been a very, very competitive team. And yeah. in fact, I would say at this point, it's right now. It is the biggest rival of the abs. And when we go and when we go to an abs game, I'm going to just say this and this don't take this the wrong way, but the Minnesota wild fans are the worst. They are the worst humans on the face of the earth. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> they're, wow. So worse the they're, fans. they're brutal in the stands. I mean, just uh, completely unfair. Like, you know, just like booing <laughs> the national anthem. I mean, it's like, come on, guys. So but I, I, I appreciate it. They're very, very loyal to their team. Booing uh, the national anthem. Wow. Yeah, well, that's, you, it's rough. So if, let's let's start a little rivalry here between me and you guys. Yep. Minnesota Wild, Avalanche. Well,
0: if if you ever if you ever make it to uh uh to this area in during hockey season, we'll we'll go together yes, and we'll see a wild game live at the XL Energy Center.
2: Yes, I want to do that with you. Guys. Yeah,
0: that would be an absolute awesome. blast. Um,
2: in fact, hey, let me tell you this story real quick. Yeah, yeah. A few Years ago, a few years ago, I don't know if you guys know this, but your sponsor, Drew Estate, there was a now a lot of these guys are gone now; they aren't with the company anymore. But there was a bunch of them that were hockey guys. And I don't know if you, you guys probably remember this or not, but at the Florida Panthers arena, there was a Drew estate lounge in yeah the arena. Yeah.
0: Right. And they had that special release, uh,
2: right. Oh, that's right.
0: Special release cigar just for that lounge. Yeah.
2: Yep. year of the, it was the, the something rat, right? Year
0: of, the, year of the rat, I think.
2: Yeah. Cause they were throwing rats out. Remember when the abs beat yep. the Florida yep. Panthers in the cup? Yeah. And they were throwing rats out onto the ice. Well, anyways, So there was a bunch of Drew Estate guys that were hockey players and we were going to have a dojo versus Drew Estate hockey game in the arena, in that arena. Wow. We were literally setting it up. We were going to fly down there and Jordan and Dominic and our team was going to come down there and we were going to play a bunch of the Drew Estate guys in the in but it never did come to pass but that was literally that was one of the things that we were working on at the time <laughs> god that would have been that would have been so incredible had we pulled that off but it never was meant to be now
0: real quick you guys had and maybe you're gonna have it again a cigar dojo hockey team and that, my my old buddy Emmett from blind puff uh was a member of that was a member of that team as well so are you uh are you guys going to do that again this coming year?
2: I don't know, we'll see. We took the we took the fall off because of uh, we like the games were on Sunday and we like to watch football together and we didn't want to miss the game. So we we played a couple seasons. We had to move up cuz we were like like Jordan and Dominic, they we were in one of the leagues, one of the brackets. They wouldn't allow Jordan or Dominic to score goals uh because they were too good and so then we moved up and um I think we finished, I don't know, second or third or whatever. And then we were going to do it again. But we thought, you know, then we have to miss football. But we have the cool dojo jerseys and uh, cigar dojo hockey jerseys. And then we're, we're kind of thinking is every year we'll do another sort of like throwback jersey. You know, maybe imagine like, say, like the Rangers uh, jersey or an old Toronto Maple Leafs jersey. But it'll instead it'll be dojo with tobacco leaves yeah. instead of like a leaf leaf, right? And so, um, that's sort of the plan now because the, the jerseys were really popular. Like we made them just to wear, to play hockey in, and, um, but, uh, they sold so well that we, we might do that every year just kind of for fun as like a collector's item.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, Garrett's got some, uh, we've got some hockey, uh, hockey info that we want to have you, uh, rank for us.
1: Okay. No, Oh, it's not hockey. Sorry. Not hockey. hockey. We are switching gears, switching gears, literally. Yep. Literally. Oh, that's right. Yeah.
0: Literally switching gears.
1: Uh, We've got this new segment. Um, I would like some help naming this segment. If any of the listeners have any ideas of what we could name this segment, please leave some comments. Um, And the next few weeks, I'll, uh, I'll pick a, a good name. And what it is, is I give our guest a list of 10 items and they have to rank it, um, their top five of this list. And it's non-cigar related. It has to do with uh, a passion or something with our guest's uh, personal life. And I was doing some digging on Eric and I found that um, he was a Mopar guy. And so Eric, what
2: I'm going to do is I'm going to list off. How did you find, how did you find, in what digging did you find That I was a Mopar guy. Where did you find info that I was a Mopar guy?
1: So I looked at um, a lot of old Facebook stuff and um, your old Instagram um, profile before you switched it to Master Sensei. Wow. That's impressive. And (laughs) in there, you had a uh, picture of a challenger and... um, made some comments about Mopar so I am a big Mopar fan I, I've had many in my life all right so here is a list of 10 classic Mopar uh, muscle cars and I want your top five I'm ready ready, ready. Right. and uh, I have no specific years on this but um, we're gonna go between you know the mid 50s through the 70s okay all right I'm ready Plymouth Fury, Dodge Coronet slash Plymouth Belvedere, mm-hmm, okay. Plymouth GTX,
2: mm.
1: Roadrunner, the Hemi Dart, the Coronet Super B, Charger Daytona, the Plymouth Barracuda, the Roadrunner Superbird, <laughs> Challenger RT, and. The Plymouth Duster.
2: Okay. So, first of all, I've had a Plymouth Satellite, 1972 Plymouth Satellite. Nice. Which is not on your list, but it's a fantastic it's fantastic car. Uh, a 19 If you look that up, I, I think I had a 1971. I had a lowered 1966 Plymouth Fury at one point. I had a 440 four-barrel Coronet. I had a Dart. I think that's all the Mopars I've had. And then my parents had several, like I grew up, like that's what we had. Like, you know, if that was the car that we had growing up, like it was always a Mopar. So I think the, the greatest Mopar of all time is probably the 1970 Barracuda or Challenger, which is essentially the same car. One's Plymouth, one's Dodge. Um, so probably the nineteen seventy. I'll say uh Challenger. I'm going to go with Challenger and not Barracuda on that. Um I love the 1963 Plymouth Fury. It's a mm. fantastic car, so I'm going to say that that's number 2. By the way, get this. The Belvedere, there was a year when the Belvedere came out and it was literally made to drag race. Like it was it was produced for the specific purpose of drag racing and so, like, that didn't happen very often. I mean, there was the big whole muscle car, you know, explosion in the 60s. Yep. The Belvedere actually came out with one that you could just take directly to the drag strip to drag race it. So, I'll put that at number three. Um, number four, uh, I'm, I, you, could, you could say the Superbird just because the Superbird changed NASCAR. It was so yep. fast and so good in NASCAR. Like I remember Richard Petty and I can't think of the other driver's name right now. My brother would know, but um, it was so good that it actually made NASCAR boring because <laughs> I remember at the time that at the time in NASCAR, you could only race cars that were actual production cars. So like the car actually had to be a production car and they had to make a certain amount of them. So yeah. mm-hmm. they, uh, Mopar made just enough to make it legal to run in NASCAR. And it was so incredibly fast and so much better than the Torino's and anything else that, that Ford or Chevy was doing that they had to change the rules to make NASCAR not so boring. Cause yeah, you know, petty and I can't, God, I can't, why can't I think of the other guy's name right now, but they just destroyed everything in NASCAR. So I'll put that at number four. Um, and, uh, the GTX, um, is an amazing car. So I'll mm. put it at number five, but let's just stick with that. If you could find yourself to this day, a 1971, 72 is almost getting a little too old. So, so let's say 71 convertible challenger. That would be like probably the ultimate car for me, a white one.
1: All right. You got, we'll get on that.
2: <laughs> yeah, I guess See if you can find one for me, but that yep. costs 80,000. <laughs> awesome. So and again, uh... it's be Crazy garrett that i didn't hang on to some of those cars Dude. because man i i really wish i still had my 66 plymouth fury I, it was lowered it was a sweet ride man oh cool.
1: yeah awesome well thank you for that that is uh it's a fantastic list again for anyone listening on the either the podcast or um on uh, facebook youtube leave a comment let us know what that segment
0: should be called yeah um so it is time for the useless fact of the week okay. and I decided to go in the direction of hockey this week mm. for a useless fact and it's i I dove into hockey history and i when I'm saying hockey history, I'm not saying i'm I'm not talking back you know before they wore uh before they wore helmets and uh, any of that i'm I'm talking back before there was electricity oh. and so Eric, do you know, before they used, you know, the modern hockey puck is pressed, you know, pressed rubber. um, What, uh, you know, some of the origins of hockey, specifically, you know, looking back into the 1800s when uh, when hockey started to be played, you know, in uh, a lot over in Scotland in England, uh, Canada. Can you can you remember what it was? Not that you were alive back then, but can you remember (laughs) what uh, what they used instead of a hockey puck back then
2: i'm gonna just totally take a flyer on this not a philadelphia flyer but just a (laughs) flyer that it was probably made of wood
0: you're close that's what i would guess you're very close so i do not know so you know in uh, in large um wine casks and whiskey casks um they the, the they have the hole on the side of the cask the corking hole that's called the bung hole, the bung hole yeah.
2: <laughs> hey. and
0: the thing that they <laughs> the, hey oh the thing that they put to, to plug up that hole is called a bung and it's made of cork wow and okay. the large wine casks that that uh, you know from back in the day that's what they they used to use a, a a cork bung, a wine from, bung, yeah, a wine bung or a or a whiskey bung, that was their hockey puck back then. So
2: that is uh that is this week's uh useless fact. I'm gonna say I can just uh, I can just tell you guys that when my when Jordan and Dominic were, were like really into hockey, like let's let's just say it's I don't know the 1990s at some point, they would turn anything into. Hockey right. puck. i mean it didn't matter like a you know a tape roll or uh yep or any kind of ball they could get their hand i mean the, the, anything became a hockey puck so i can imagine you know back in the day you know getting that perfectly shaped you know bunghole plug yeah. thing <laughs> a hockey puck seems like a genius idea to me now yeah. cork seems kind of light it seems oh. like it would be a, like a light a very light puck
0: so and and this was came up in some of the stuff i was reading apparently those those big chunks of cork over time of having you know uh, being right in contact with wine or whiskey they would they would harden and and darken mm. so that's that's where that was the origin of the modern hockey puck and and you know you've got to think you know thousands of years before that that they just used rocks sure yeah. but but then eventually uh, probably too many guys got got uh you know uh, got a rock flying at their face with a uh you know a wicked slap shot so they uh they decided to use something a little softer
2: i don't know if that would be any better or worse than the hard rubber puck that we have today though but still. yeah yeah They're probably dried maple up in canada eh?
0: hey yeah hey. dried maple or or a, oh, yeah. or a cylinder a maple syrup oh yeah yeah um so uh this week uh we're going to move in right now to my favorite segment of the whole show ever Mm. numero de De los
1: muertos. (laughs) All right. This week is fun. Uh, What I've got is I have five numbers. Okay. That's a lot of numbers. It is and each of these numbers uh, represents um, a different place where these deaths take place. Okay. I'm going to give you the numbers and the numbers are 57, 48, 30, 27, and 24. And what those numbers represent is deaths at these places, um, of, of all time. Okay. So starting around the 1940s, I think is when they started, um, keeping track of deaths. What we got to come up with is, Uh, where these deaths are taking place what is the event that's happening And
0: what's the cause
1: the cause will be obvious once
0: you okay
1: um get to the So we got five
0: and they're all they're all numbers lower than 50 uh no 57 48 all all numbers lower than 60 24 yep all higher than 20
1: yep but these are the top five places of this thing where these deaths have occurred
0: and since the 1940s, roughly, yes. is mm-hmm. so. Are we talking natural causes? No, not natural causes. Are all these locations, uh, states, or countries different places around the globe? Different places around the globe. Um. All right. So we've got. Uh, are the are the deaths? Um, uh, do the deaths come about through uh, crime or nefarious? Mm-hmm. Uh, No, not through crime. Are they accidental deaths? Yes. All right, I need another hint.
1: It is a pastime.
0: It's a pastime. And this is around the globe. Correct. And it would be... In in each of these places, like one place, 24 people in, in the past, let's say, 60 years, 70 years have died from this. And in this other place, 57 people in this place have
2: died from this. Correct. So the number is the amount of people that died.
0: Yeah. Correct. Is it related to sports? Yes. Is it related to hockey? No. Okay okay
1: is it
2: related to football
0: no is
2: is sports related
0: and it's a pastime Mm -hmm. is it baseball no is it a major is it one of the big four no no is it a sport
2: is it is it does it do the people die from uh, a natural occurrence Say lightning. No. Mm.
0: Is it a team sport? It can be,
2: but it's usually not. <laughs> oh boy! It can be, but it's usually not. Well, I can't imagine people dying from basketball. No, nope. and that's totally a team sport. So that one's out. Is it darts? <laughs> <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> that would be awesome. Nope. Not.
1: All right. Uh think. All right, give us a clue. Yep. Um Um I should really come up with uh clues and hints before the show. That's a good I'm going to I'm going to do a better job of that uh in the coming weeks. Um, another clue I can give you is um, there are many types of this sport. Many types of this sport.
0: Is it a sport that you could possibly see on television today? Yes. Is it golf?
2: No. It can't. It's not bowling. Nope. How do you dive
0: bowling? Is it curling?
1: Nope. Think uh, a less athletic
0: sport. What's less athletic than? Than bowling.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, sh- <laughs> ouch um Uh. wow um
0: we already ruled out golf bowling darts those are non-athletic um
2: where are the where are the people we need help
0: on our yeah name one location that totally
1: gives the whole thing away one of these locations i mean all of these locations are iconic
0: is it rugby sports
1: no
2: well, he said that it could be played by yourself or as a team. Or a team, okay. Yep. So that couldn't be rugby. Um, that's what makes this especially hard. Not frisbee. Figure skating.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, let's let's go with um, this particular sport is far more popular in the South in the United States.
2: Ah, like cornhole. That's it. It's cornhole.
1: No, but that's funny because I I do have a question for you later on on that. Okay. Um, the southern United States. Correct. In fact, um, this particular sport has been mentioned already. It's been mentioned already in this uh, in this episode earlier.
0: Racing? Yes.
2: Oh. Yeah. So- Yes, it could be a team sport. Right.
0: So dying on the track from a collision? Correct. Crashing.
2: Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah. So, oh, Auto racing.
1: Yep. So can you guys name the top five tracks that have claimed lives?
2: Well. Um,
0: uh, Indianapolis 500 or Indianapolis Motor Speedway. That is
2: number one. That is number one. I grew
0: up in Indiana, so. I should have known this one
2: How about um, it's probably uh, what is that famous Italian Formula One track mm-hmm. probably in there that I can't think of the name of Monza Monza is that one of them mm-hmm. all right there you know that's the thing is uh, Formula One guys uh there was a lot of deaths early on because
0: mm-hmm.
2: they, you know, the crowd wasn't protected and yep. yeah, and yeah. Well, that's,
1: that's another part of the statistic is not all of these are drivers. Some of these numbers are oh, spectators by, as well, bystanders. Yep. Okay.
0: Um,
2: how about, it, uh, Watkins Glen? No,
0: no. Okay. Uh, what, what's the, where's, where's the big, uh, 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 the big rally, um, in the desert. Um, So
2: they they all got killed at the same time.
1: No, these are all the deaths that have occurred at these tracks over the years. Wow. Whew.
0: Well, we have number one and number three are any of them like off road type rally type races. They're all track races. They're all track races. Um,
2: I need to, I need to brush up on my formula one because I'm guessing that that's probably most of these,
1: um, there's actually only one other Formula One track on this hmm. list. So two are NASCAR. Uh, Daytona? Yes, that's number five. Talladega. Talladega? Nope. Because hmm. Indy and Daytona are the only two NASCAR tracks. Okay. And the other one is Formula One, and the other one is non-associated.
2: Hmm. Gosh, I don't know. Yeah,
0: I can't name the other ones.
1: Think of the most popular uh, racetrack in the world. Le Mans? Well, that's number four. So we need the number two spot.
0: Monte Carlo? Nope. Oh, that was a great guess. That was a good guess. Um... Gosh, I haven't watched Formula One for a long time. Um, we've got all the Formula we've One. we got so all now, those. So we yep. need NASCAR. No, nope, now we need the.
1: Um, this is the track people go to to design race cars.
2: Oh, you're talking about the? Are you? are not talking about the uh, the autobahn? N-
1: uh, that's a highway, right? But you're in the right. You're in the right
2: uh, geography. Design cars there
0: in Germany. Yep. What track? I don't even know tracks in Germany.
2: I don't either nuremberg ring oh, wow. oh okay
0: yeah i have i have heard of that track before it just never came to mind
2: this is a dark this is a very dark topic Garrett. what's dark wrong,
1: what
0: is <laughs> wrong with you
1: <laughs> you know i did it i did it one week and then it just
0: yeah it kind of caught on it kind of stuck it was uh and and we've had some we've had some ironic ones and funny ones and
2: Garrett needs Garrett needs to be seen by somebody. <laughs> yep, I do. I am certifiable.
1: But Eric you had uh, you had said uh, cornhole which is really funny because I had um you had some pictures of, you know, various games that you had played throughout the years. Yes. And my question to you was, do you call it bags or cornhole?
2: We call yeah. it cornhole. I yeah. yeah. I mean Yeah. We have the big tournament here with Rocky Mountain Cigar Fest. Eric Espinoza and um, Tommy Lazuka were unbeatable.
0: Yeah, uh, there's a lot of people here in Minnesota that refuse to call it cornhole because they they feel dirty when they say it. But I, it, it's called cornhole. I'm sorry.
2: So they do. Some people call it bags. Huh? I yeah, don't. Yeah. I really don't know. I mean, I'm not very. I'm not even very good at it. I'm gonna just be honest with you guys. I I'm terrible. Yeah, I'm I'm not very good either. I think I'm good, but I'm not. <laughs> I have an unorthodox throw. But um, you throw overhand? No, I did for a while. I was trying <laughs> it out. I was trying it out. But you know, in Pennsylvania, they have like another version of it that has has like rubber discs. Oh yeah. What is it, Jordan? What's that called? There's a yeah, and you try to throw the rubber disc instead of into a hole onto like a stake thing, but oh, sort, okay. like, sort of like horseshoes in a way. Yeah. Also like cornhole.
0: Like the ring toss at the school carnival.
2: Because it's a board, you know? So yeah. like when we were there, everybody played that game. I can't think of the name of it right now, but maybe somebody on uh, online could. Uh, yeah. If
0: anybody knows what this game with the rubber disc is, put it in the comments so we can. Uh,
2: and that was, it was a much harder. I'm just going to say, because you had to spin the rubber disc in such a way where it wouldn't bounce, you know? So yeah. like put it right on that board, but. Huh cornhole is is something that we kind of like uh got into but about i don't know three years ago or so and it's just a great cigar smoking yeah. drinking game right
0: yeah it is totally you can have you can have a beer in your hand and, and a cigar in your hand and still you know uh still have a lot of fun with that game fuck yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh. so uh eric let's go into a we do a little lightning round every week uh, okay just lightning quick, round quick answers um if you could give one piece of advice to new cigar consumers, what would it be?
2: Consumers? Yes. I would say try a lot of things. And wait, there's two things, two parts of this. Try a lot of things, but try to try. Like, people get mad at me sometimes when I say quality over quantity, because they think that I'm being snobby, but, there's, that isn't really why I say that. I say that because, uh, quality And so you say, well, what's quality? Well, I mean, you know, try a lot of things, but try a lot of things that are come, that come out of factories that are good factories that get good tobacco, because here's what most new cigar smokers do. In fact, we were, we were working on this article, like the evolution of a cigar smoker, which we'll publish at some point in the future. But, um, What a lot of guys do is they, you know, they get the catalogs, you know, and they start just buying like all these crazy samplers and stuff like that, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But, you know, most samplers are filled with really crummy cigars and then there's like three or four good ones. Yeah. I think it's better, in my opinion, just in my opinion, to uh just buy individual cigars from good factories. Uh, you know, you got Lazona, you got Camacho, you got Romacraft, you got Black Label Trading Company. You got these. Try, try cigars. You know, Steve Saka and Nick Malilo. Try a bunch of cigars from these types of factories that get good tobacco. And don't don't just settle on one brand. Like I see a lot of people settling on one brand, and, and that isn't wrong in either. But there is is get a think. Like most brands have sort of like a core lineup in their filler and their binder, and they'll 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 just change binders and wrappers, but then the filler is sort of the same. Yeah, and so that's fine if you like that brand, you can smoke that. But don't don't limit yourself. Try a lot of brands from a lot of good factories. If you're spending, a a rule of thumb I say is you know seven dollars. That doesn't mean that every Cheaper cigar is crummy, but let's face it, um, you know, some of these like, two, three dollar bundle cigars, they're, they're two or three dollars for a reason. Yeah. It, you know, I, I think it's, in my opinion, life's too short to smoke a crummy cigar. So, you know, try cigars that are in that range and try a good, you know, variants of brands that come out of Nicaragua, Dominican Republic, Honduras. Don't get too tied into just one thing you know yeah -hmm.
0: Yeah, absolutely um so the same question if you could give one piece of advice to cigar retailers and specifically brick and mortar cigar retailers what would that what would that be
2: oh man we talk about this all the time in dojo headquarters like i think the biggest problem with most cigar lounges and i don't i don't even 100 percent know how to solve this problem so it's sort of unfair for me to say what I'm about to say because I don't have the answer to it. But what I can tell you is it's intimidating when you come into a shop and there's this sort of like, you know, round table of regulars and they, everybody has like their seat, like here's Charlie, here's Fred, here's Chuck, boom, boom, boom. And you come in there and you just, you just feel like, you know, you're, you're not in the loop and I don't exactly know how to solve that problem, but I've been in cigar lounges that are really, really good that don't have that problem, and usually they the problem is solved when there's you know not just this ring of fire of chairs like maybe it's more spread out and like maybe there's a bar where you can sit, and then maybe there's like little nooks and crannies where you can sit, and it's not just a ring of fire of guys that are just regulars that you go in there yeah. and they all look at you like. Who's the newbie? And then there's one other thing that drives me crazy is you go into the humidor and like a guy follows you in there and he just like follows you all around wherever you go. Yeah. Like, <laughs> dude, I, I just don't want you following me wherever I go. You know, mm-hmm. like I realize that maybe you think that, that maybe I'm going to be stealing from you or something, but I don't want somebody just following me around.
0: Yeah. Put, put up cameras. Yeah. Whatever you got to do. I don't know. Come in and say hello. Ask me what I'm in the mood to smoke, but then leave me alone.
2: I think that there has to be some sort of level of trust, like, you know, because there's new guys that come in there that want advice. Yeah. That's true. Like, they should be there to give them advice. But if the guy says, hey, what are you looking for? And you say, oh, yeah, I kind of know already, you know, like, let the guy sort of browse without you just being right over his shoulder. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And um, we uh, we know you had a great interview recently with, uh, uh, with Scott Pierce from uh, the mm. PCA. So, right. And you, I love the questions that you asked. You did not hold back, and I really appreciated that. And I also, and I've talked about this on a couple shows recently. That that I, I I applaud him for owning up to a lot and and giving the the straightforward answers that he gave. So if you if if you could give one piece of advice to the PCA as an organization, what would it be?
2: Uh, my piece of advice to the PCA is just go ahead and own the fact that the cigar trade show is not the same as it was 10 years ago like just own up to it because here's the thing guys consumer electronics show right cse right there is there's reason that you need to see electronics you need to go to that show to see the new electronics you have to go to see the new electronics you have to hold it in your hand you have to see how it functions how does the new you know, um, virtual reality glasses work. How does the new, all this work, right? You have to, it's, it's important to go to CSI. Honestly, it's not important to go to a cigar trade show. Everybody knows how a cigar functions. And other than the fact that there are, you know, good cigars and bad cigars. I mean, yeah, that's important to try, but you can try those without going to the show. So there's no real reason anymore for all of the retailers to go to a cigar trade show there just isn't so own that fact like right now they're sort of like halfway in between like you know like a football team like the broncos for instance like the broncos they're halfway in between should we rebuild or should we not rebuild maybe we have the guys that can win the super bowl Well, maybe we should rebuild well they're stuck in this like halfway in between mode i would say to the pca don't be in that halfway in between mode. Just right now, own it. There's no reason to have the cigar trade show the way it's been for the last 80 years. You don't need to go to a trade show to see the newest cigars. And that's why CigarCon came about because they're realizing this fact, right? But they are I feel like they're not fully owning it. I feel like maybe Scott is, but maybe not everybody else is. Yeah, And that's why they like changed their mind about CigarCon next year. I see cigar, I see the trade show that IPC is maybe eventually being more like the great American beer fest, which is happens right here in Colorado is it, it eventually will just be more of a consumer event and it'll just be with everybody because you just don't need to have retailers go to this event anymore. It just doesn't make sense. I wish it did, but it just doesn't.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think uh, the Broncos made that decision today. I hope so well they they I know Emmanuel
2: Sanders got traded to the 49ers for a second and a fourth Emmanuel and a fifth got traded to the 49ers for a third and a fourth but you know the Broncos are way behind the eight ball like the 49ers did this and the Raiders did this a couple years ago you just gotta like own it you gotta just say like we gotta just rebuild and that's what the PCA needs to do they just need to rebuild and realize that times have changed yeah and as much as we want to hang on to the way it's been. You can't. And, like, TPE is in January, like the Tobacco Plus Expo is in January. And they, I think, have a, a bit of a head start on maybe rethinking the way trade shows should be. And so I hope that the PCA just says, all right, screw it. We just, we're just we either going to die or we're going to just do this thing.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I hope
2: they do it. And I'm behind it. Like, I'm one of the few media guys that's supported this all the, the way. Like, don't get me wrong. I don't feel like the PCA has done everything exactly right. I'm not going to just sugarcoat everything that they've done, but I feel like I was be- I was behind CigarCon the entire time, and I was one of the few guys. Maybe me and Seth, um, uh, we were the, like, let's just do this. Let's just go for it. We got to change because otherwise, it's going to die. Yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, so, uh, let's move into notable smokables for the week. And, uh, so Eric, each week Garrett and I talk about just some interesting stuff we smoked. Uh, it could be old, it could be new, uh, just something that we thought was interesting. Um, so, uh, Garrett, do you have one to start out? Otherwise I do go ahead. So I smoked one that was very interesting. I actually got it as a, as a gift in, in a cigar bomb from, uh, from a friend, uh, about a year ago maybe more uh and i just ne- didn't get around to smoking it until now and it's called the, it's called the <laughs> it's it's called the backdoor Bambi and it's a caldwell uh one of those i think it's sort of a lost and found uh but it's a caldwell cigar uh and actually it was pretty good uh it it was a pretty good cigar i was i was pleasantly surprised by it but uh that name wow <laughs> backdoor bambi backdoor yeah
1: (laughs) i'd love to know the origin of that yeah
0: i don't want to know the origin Uh, of that name actually
1: (laughs) uh one of mine is the uh protocol mi5 and um that was a good cigar mi5 what's that it's uh it was one of the ones that they had sent to us which
0: oh the, the the themis
1: oh it's a themis yeah
0: I called it the Mi Five because not, I don't M- know where you got Mi Five. Well, because
2: it kind of <laughs> looks like
1: Mi Five, and I thought they the were M- it's
2: a great cigar. Yeah, yeah,
1: Themis. So that happened. I called uh, the Themis Mi Five. <laughs> well, the M, and it looked like I, uh, yeah. So
0: I had the Themis. You're uh, adorable, I- <laughs> Eric. What's did you have? Something interesting you smoked this last week?
2: Yeah, I had uh, Risty on the show friday night and um quinn is his rep the colorado rep and he was in studio with us and he brought us some of the tyrannical buck connecticut and in a corona size and it was one of the best connecticut's it was really really good it did not taste at all like a connecticut now that so why am i why does that make it good not necessarily i love connecticut's but it was an excellent cigar and speaking of connecticut's the um desert road De- desert rose uh rose of sharon mm-hmm. uh that from a southern draw oh was yeah. fantastic very highly rated by us i think we give mm-hmm. it a 93 super creamy those two connecticut's really stood out for me this summer
0: yeah yeah that desert rose the and the and and you're right the tyrannical buck connecticut uh, oh. especially that little corona is, is so, that
2: surprised me a lot like yeah. I, I i i'm not gonna say that i i didn't want to like it i just didn't have any opinion of it at all yeah so it's not like i'm saying i didn't want to like it i'm just saying i had zero i had no dog in the fight he's they're not neither one of those companies by the way advertised with us or anything and the the Jossum crawl uh tyrannical buck corona was connecticut it was so good i really liked that i really want us to review that uh cigar on the dojo I'll give it a full review because it was really tasty and it just surprised me like i don't know i'm not it shouldn't have surprised me they make good stuff i'm just saying like i just wasn't expecting it to be the way it tasted it just tasted it has such a unique interesting flavor
0: yeah mm-hmm. definitely um well G- Garrett stole one of mine. I actually had the, the Themis on my on on my list also that uh the MI5, the MI5. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um I'm going to tell Juan you said that. Um <laughs> he'll he'll laugh his ass off. But um but then I also um as uh, as as has happened so many times in the last couple months just cuz of the move and and all that I keep finding all these cigars I forgot I had and I had this old uh la serena mermaid uh, oh, yeah, yeah 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 i hadn't i i mm. totally forgot it was in the humidor and um i honestly and and i don't i don't want to sound i don't say this in a mean way by any stretch but it's honestly just kind of a brand that i've sort of forgot about and um
2: I think everybody has. Yeah.
0: yeah, and and I just i i pulled that cigar out, and a little robusto, and and it was great. It was very good, and sure, it's got you know four or five years of age on it, but it was it was a very good little cigar. So so um, it's and then that sort of piques my interest, thinking, gosh, I wonder what's going on with that brand. So I'm gonna you know pursue it a little bit and see if I can find some more of them.
1: Well, and uh, another one for me was the uh, Leaf by Oscar uh, Sumatra. Oh, that
0: Sumatra. Ugh. I mean, I love the leaf by Oscar, but there's something about that, that Sumatra. Sumatra. Which uh, vitola did you have?
1: It was the. Um, I don't know if they call it a Corona Gordo, or
0: yeah, I think it's. I think it's. It, yeah, it's, it seems more Bartolas. like a like a super robusto. It's, yeah, yeah, but it's good. Yep. Definitely good cigar. Um, Eric, anything else of note you can think of from this last week or so?
2: I think the the cigar that I've smoked the most in the last three or four weeks has been the Perdomo 12-year – Um, like, I've never – I'm going to be honest with you guys. All these years, like, Perdomo is one of the biggest brands. They sell more than almost any cigar. But I've just never been into them. Like, I haven't known that much about them. And when we went to um, Philadelphia to do the Nightstick release – My buddy, Jeff Todd, was like, oh, man, you got to try this. You got to try this Perdomo 12-year, right? And so, like, I smoked – I think I smoked the Connecticut in um, – I'm trying to think of the shop in Philly. You guys would know the name of it if I said it, but I can't – it's like an Ashton Lounge. And um, Holtz. Holtz. Jordan. Oh, oh, yeah. Holtz. Holtz. Thank you, Jordan. Uh, So I had the Connecticut 12-year there, and I was like, wow, this is really good. And then I, I didn't think about it at all for, like, four months, right? And I just said, you know, I really like that Perdomo 12-year. I'm just going to order a box, like, just out of nowhere. Like, I don't r- normally do that. And so I ordered a box of the SunGrown and I ordered a box of the Connecticut. And I've been smoking that thing almost, I, 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 I'm i not kidding you, maybe three, four times a week. It is so phenomenal. And then I sent, or I didn't send, but I I told Robbie, Robbie Rasmussen, I was like, man, you got Try this, and he smoked it, and he was like, "God, oh, this thing is so good." And Jordan's <laughs> been smoking him, and now everybody around me has been smoking him. That is, guys, I'm telling you, the Connecticut and the SunGrown in the 12 year is absolutely, it's one of the most flavorful, unique, delicious cigars you'll ever have. I love it.
0: Oh that's all. Yeah, I yeah, got to check that I out. i try it too. Perdomo's a brand that um, I was I was really into uh, many years ago but it's you that know That champagne was just Yeah, the champagne and the lot. Yeah, to-
2: they don't make a bad cigar, but try yeah. try the 12 year. All right. Tell me you guys t- you know send me messages on Facebook when you try it cuz I'm just I really want to know what you two think because it I, something about that cigar is just so so approachable for anybody like it doesn't matter if you're like a new cigar smoker or anybody i think like my wife would probably like that and she doesn't even smoke cigars
0: yeah no that's awesome i'm gonna give that a try um so guys uh for those of you watching and listening um i want to give you a couple notes of some stuff we have coming up Mm -hmm. so a week from tonight uh we're really happy that we're going to be broadcasting live on location from sody's cigar and pipe in Stillwater, minnesota a uh, great, great shop, great location. They have a fantastic selection on their humidor and a lot of great people. So we're going to sit down and talk to them about what it's like to uh, operate a brick and mortar cigar shop and, and you know, how they, um, uh, how they work together with their customers and their reps and kind of learn a little bit of the, the inside baseball about uh, running a cigar shop. Mm -hmm. Uh, the week after that on November 5th, uh, we're really excited to have, uh, Mr. Rainier Lorenzo from HVC cigars live on the show. And then, uh, the following week on November 12th, uh, Mr. Sean Williams from Cohiba cigars. Uh, very excited to have him on as well. And we have more coming up after that, uh, that we'll give you notes about, uh, in the coming weeks. Um. Eric, give everybody a, a little bit of a, a closing out. Tell, tell, uh, give us a reminder of what's coming up with the dojo. If you have some special guests coming up on Smoke Night Live soon and things like that.
2: All right, thank you. So uh, this Friday we're gonna have a special show. Uh, Nick Labrada from JR Cigars is gonna be on. We're gonna be talking about our Fab Fives, like five, uh, uh, eight, a, a f- five of something. Like, is it your five favorite Connecticut's? Is it your five favorite Lozona cigars? Is it your five favorite? Mopar Cars is your five favorite albums of all time. Five favorites, the Fab Five. We'll be giving away some really in fact, I think I have a prize here. I could show you. Anyways, we're gonna be giving away five of the dojo collaborations on the show, mm. and that'll be fun. And then the uh I think the week after that we go to um is that the week we go to we might go to Lazona Palooza. We'll be in Miami. We'll be doing something live down there. Um so, yeah, we got a lot of exciting stuff coming up. Otherwise, just go to CigarDojo.com. Check out the, the review tomorrow. We have a big announcement on the new Dojo collaboration. So check that out. And then every Friday night, we do our thing. Plus, guys, we have the new pairing show, which is Flavor Odyssey A to Z. That's Robbie Rasmussen and Randy Griggs every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, this week, they're doing the Guardian of the Farm Nightwatch paired with a Guinness... Extra stout, so that's tomorrow nice. uh, at six PM. So that's our newest show that we just started about six weeks ago.
0: Nice, Very yeah. Cool. That's I've I've enjoyed seeing that. It's uh it's a cool concept, and um you know we we've uh, been fans of Scar Dojo for a long time, and we uh, wish you guys nothing but the best in the future. Yeah, and uh, for those of uh for those of you guys watching us right now and listening to us, um. Install the app on your smartphone. Go to CigarDojo.com. Uh, you know, get, get uh, liked on their Facebook page and Instagram and all that stuff because... They really do it right and and we appreciate yeah. what they do for the you know for the cigar community and the cigar culture. So uh, Eric, thanks very much for being on the show with us tonight.
2: Appreciate it, guys. Thank you guys so much for having me. It was fun.
0: Absolutely. So uh, guys, like, share, and subscribe and all that good stuff. And until we see you next time, burn cigars, not bridges. Take care, guys. Thank nice. you.